Hello and welcome to episode number 17 of this podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman. I'm Alexia Nail. And this week's podcast, we kind of revisit the classic hits of perambulations <laughs> in Franglais. <laughs> we talk about pain. Mm-hmm. Um, Persistent pain, model of reality, different ways of actually processing things which are enhancing our way of looking at things which can be more useful and meaningful, basically. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm. As always, if you would like to comment or do whatever, interact in a certain way, mm-hmm. then please do. We, we like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Perambulations in Franglais. You didn't do your homework? No. Did you, have you looked? It's, it's not my place. <laughs> It's uh, not, not my territory. That's it, that's it. Was there any questions then you wanted to ask today? Apart from, apart from Ondoto sets and Misty sets? Um, Onky Fallens. <laughs> the word that again. Another word that I like the sound of. Yeah. I didn't really get it. It's yeah. something to do with the pain gate or something like that. Oh, yeah. Onky Fallens. Onky Fallens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I just said. That's it, that's it, that's it. No, encephalines are, are opiates, naturally occurring oh. opiates secreted by your brain in a descending pathway into the spinal cord to actually inhibit the pain gate. When we've spoken about the pain, the, the opiates or yeah. encephalines then, they're... Yeah, yeah. The part of the reward system, right? Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, the, that's the pain gate. So that's acting in the, the encephalines act into your spinal cord. The uh, other opiates tend to act into part of your brain, basically. That's the main thing, really. So, the, uh, well, the spinal cord is part of the brain, of course, but it's like a subdivision of it. But yeah, the main thing about being able to um, uh, secrete uh, naturally occurring opioids in your brain, not naturally outside the brain and in nature, but in your brain, um, is part of having uh, had a plan and organizing it um, and articulating it really well and being able to use your competence and the tools you have at your disposal to actually uh, fulfill it. And once you fulfilled it, in case you were running into a couple of uh, uh, irritable dragons on the way, you might have lost a few feathers and had a bit of few burns and grazes and broken bones and concussions. And, and you need to have a bit of a reward from all that. And it's the whole role of opiates to actually do that, basically. So... It's because you had a plan and you put it in place and you used your competence and your uh, your to- tools in an organized fashion and an intelligible fashion that you're able to actually fulfill that uh, plan. And once the plan is fulfilled, you can be rewarded, basically. Mm. And that's what 
opiates work and do basically and on top of having an effect via the encephaline system on the pain gate in the spinal cord to try to diminish the nociceptive uh, uh, input basically the nociceptive which is a pain input the sensory pain input and endorphins I, I, I swear at some point we've said that that's part of the reward system but that's it that's it endorphins are uh, encephalines are I think a type of endorphins ah. Ah. That's it. Yeah. so and we have a lot of so we talked about the pain gate having been they've um, like Uh, studied and found in the 60s and the main thing was to actually ascertain how come people were um, experiencing pain differently in light of a similar uh, a pain signal basically and um, It enabled all the pharmacology of um, of um, um, pain-altering medication. So we've got all the GABA paintings, we've got all the amitriptyline, like we've got all the opiates. We got, of course, um, aspirin. So um, we've got uh, paracetamol, ibuprofen, all those kind of stuff which have a bit of an indirect effect on inflammation. So I think aspirin is uh, analgesic, so it has an effect on pain. I think it's antipyretic, which is an effect on your temperature and your fever. And I think it's anti-inflammatory as well. So it has three, three effects. And then we got all the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen and the likes, and, um, which are having an effect on the cascade of inflammation. And we've got all the um, steroids as well. We're going to have effect on uh, inflammation as well as other things. So there's more side effect from the steroid. And all that is to do with um, the cortisol um, and other uh, adrenal, adrenal gland secretions, which are to do with your acute or chronic response to stress, basically. Okay, and that's more of we talk more about the peripheral type modulation here, and then we've got that central modulation about um, all the expectation fulfillment theory of dream, which we really enjoy because it actually uh, links the mind and the body basically. So, so the, that's the whole thing really. The pharma, the um, neurologist or physiologists or neurophysiologists have looked at the um, mechanics and the, the neural circuitry and they looked at synaptic clefts, so the, the, the space between neurons, and they looked at the substances that were in there in order to um, decipher a bit. It's mostly with animal testing, actually, mm -hmm. that has been done, and they were able to find out which neurotransmitter was there and how to influence the reuptake or the secretion of neurotransmitters and therefore how to influence a bit the perception our perception of uh, pain basically okay so and i think that's how we 
all works. I think they all, all try to do a bit the whole same thing, really. That, that mind body conundrum there is all the time, really, basically. So pain is as much in your mind as it is in your body, basically. And the mediation, the mediator is the brain, basically, and the neurons, like, which are brain tissue, basically. And what were the other words that you you mentioned at the start? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> what words? I can't remember. Yeah. What is Pengate, basically? No, it was before that, before I on, mentioned on, Onkephalins. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Oh, yeah. on, 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 the Onkephalum is like the, is at the brain. So that's the Latin word for the brain. Okay. Or part of the brain, I think. Because there's Mesencephalon, there's... All the yeah, different subdivisions of the brain, basically. So yeah, it's all, all those substances which are really quite important in the fight for pain, basically in that modern and very scientific way of looking at it. But we think that your uh, environment and your education, your belief system are influencing how you perceive pain. People walking on hot coals is a very good example, mm. basically. You, you psych yourself if we could say it like that in order to be able to not perceive it's still hot but it's actually not painful and then there's those studies of people who uh, like back studies are the classic where you know they take half a group that aren't in pain they have a group that are in pain and then a group that aren't in pain mm -hmm. and then they put them through a load of testing mm -hmm. and I think there was one in particular that even, there was more people who who didn't have pain, mm -hmm. who had a reason to be in pain, mm -hmm. than those who were in pain. Mm -hmm. Like there's more of like a yeah, we like, need to be like careful with the with the reason. Yes, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. With the structural reason mm. to be. Oh yeah, structural. And yeah, as, as, as as you said, it's that's like it, that's, it, that's it, that's it. You know, we we focus on the the mind, and then yeah. and then the body, or the body, then the mind. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's Whereas, it. Everything that we do, it's it's all it's like whole human, isn't it? It's uh -huh. not really. That's it. That's it. That's it. And uh, like today, I was reading a nice little article about mitochondrial um, uh, activity in people with uh, CFS, and some of their white blood in some of their white blood cells and things like that. And then uh, because we want to find uh, a body uh, cause. To not the cause but a cause uh, in the body of a chronic fatigue syndrome when because there's a big argument that some people say it's not in my mind it's in my body and uh, because of the experience they're having really but um, that's the typical illustration of a mind-body problem it's not in your mind it's not in your body it's neither or That's the thing, really. It's in your mind and your body. It's in both at the same time. That's yeah. the thing, really. Or it's in your body and your mind, or in your mind and your body. But it's not in one or the other. That's the main problem, really. Because you only really come to the conclusion if you if you're a chronic pain sufferer, yeah. Whether it's you know, fight, well, whatever it is, really, mm -hmm. you only come to the conclusion that it's not in my mind. It's in my body. Mm -hmm. If you if you take the foundation, the basis. That your mind and your body are separate. Uh -huh. So, because we've learned about 
the body and, mm-hmm. and the mind Cartesian, and Cartesian Cartesian yeah. way of doing mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's quite I'm, I'm, even though we've been talking about it for a while I've not really thought of that it's mm-hmm. like a patient will only ever say it's not in my mind because it's definitely in my body mm-hmm. because it, well a number of reasons of course but one of which is that we're taught that they are like a separate thing and it's as you say it's very like mm-hmm. it's taken over their body in, in mm-hmm. some cases and and we've got a scientific approach which is very good but which is quite minimalistic it's it's quite um, it's um there must be even a better word to actually describe it really it's actually really focusing on just one part of so, um, if it's your it's my it's a disc we can see on the MRI there's a disc bulge yeah but um, there's more to the disc bulge there's how come the disc has bulged if it's not a traumatic onset there's the inflammation that is linked with the bulging of the disc because there's damage of the tissue or the fact that there's been so much pain for such a long time there's actually <laughs> there's a bit of an ongoing inflammatory process really localized I think and the tissue is not really what actually is causing pain and we obviously don't really talk about the expectation people have of what they should be able to do would they are back not be painful so they've withdrawn away from activity from hobbies from sports from ways to actually get mitigate their stress from occupation which is providing them with some all of those needs all the rest really so there's all that as well to uh, cater for really that's um, that's why um, I'm not too sure I don't have the figures that's the thing really we should look a bit more into into all sorts of of like statistical things really how much there is in um, people who are having uh, spinal surgery who are not uh, getting better basically that's the problem really and, and, say and that again how many people who have spinal surgery aren't getting better when yeah. the disc is re- been removed really that's it really so that's maybe the people where the majority of the pain come from uh, their perception of it really mm. compared to people who have a spinal surgery and it gets better it's people who mostly the pain is coming from the tissue not entirely but mostly and then there's people who have mixed uh, effect on it really so it decreases it a bit or a little or or a lot or not really or whatever and that's where or, people's or, mind and body are a bit the same it comes yeah. from the two really so that that helps us to actually ascertain where the, the pain comes from really and it's difficult because the scientific and cartesian model of uh, the objective per- perception of reality is only part of it, really. So, we, so we've talked about that, really. You, you see the tool before you see the object. So that complicates things. Your brain is not... Act- your, your brain is actually not going to be conscious of the chair until your body prepares you neurologically to actually sit on it. And that's when you're aware that it's actually a chair. Beforehand, your uh, sensory signal, w- um, visual signal, and correlation from experience before is actually just giving you a sense. You have to wait for your body to prepare you to actually uh, use use it for you to be able to be aware that it's actually a chair. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that becomes really not at all how we could at first look at it. Really, oh well, that's that's a chair. Of course, it's a chair. It's like, well, no, it's not that straightforward. Actually, we've been taught to think like that. Okay, it's, and it's, it's only that way over after a lot of programming into yeah, that's it. That's that it. Two hundred and fifty years of programming. Yeah. So that's maybe eight. Oh, like yeah, ten generations. Or something like that, really. But beforehand, I don't know, like I see uh, patients who come with their children, and the children are a bit young, and we've got a, a Swiss ball to sit on, and the patient will be like, oh, oh, that's an, oh I wish I could uh, bring that to the office to sit on, and something like that. I'm not even sitting on it, really. But they really infer that it's something you can sit on. So uh, the bench, the hydraulic bench I, has, I, I use, well, they sit on it as well. That's it, really. Or the ledge, or whatever we that's what we've classified as sitting on basically uh, children maybe when they are two three year old they come in the room and their body is going to match match the ball really like that they're going to lie on it and, and match the ball that way really they they need their their body is going to match the shape of the whole thing and then they're going to try to see what it does really is it bouncing how much texture there is and like that to try to have a, get an understanding of what they can do with it really that's the thing really at the moment I can just maybe lie on it and then they don't quite know whether it's going to give or not all the rest really so they are learning the whole process really so and their body is actually bringing the whole thing to their consciousness by actually matching the shape of the of the object and they are still haven't got a because you know you can bounce the, you can't bounce the chair, but you can sit on it. You know you can sit on the ball and bounce it. So it depends on what you want to do with it, really. And you got the awareness of it because you've tried before, really. Okay. So it's it's quite a peculiar way of thing. So we like to think or. As a physical therapist, I like to think of pain as a mechanism that actually brings to your consciousness the fact that the part that you should be using is uh, hindered, really. And the use you have of the part needs to, is, is hindered or is disabled or is not working well, really. And that should be, that should bring that to your, to your consciousness. And that really helps you because that's, put you in in the context completely really if it's just the bulge what the fuck do you use the bulge of your disc for <laughs> it completely excludes all that perceptual uh, uh, thing that your body and your mind works with really so it's so minimalistic it's so limit limiting that of course pain becomes a complete hindrance but when actually it's how come your, the body has, uh, how come the thing has bulge? How come there's still a bit of inflammation locally? How come the load is not actually mechanically dissipating? How come you still pay a lot of attention to it? How come your, what is it you've done to actually try to mitigate the effect the whole pain is having on what you do with the body part, really? And that becomes, that all of a sudden, boom, opens you up to so much more. And it's so very interesting. And it means that your body, again, is bringing to your attention and your consciousness the use you have of your body part. And that's how we perceive reality. For real. Physiologically. Neurologically. 
neurophysiologically, <laughs> rather than a construct of uh, objective view of reality, which works well, but it, in the case of pain, well, if it was working in case of pain, the objective way and that medicalized way, uh, will there be like millions of people addicted to opiates? Or, 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 or pain reducing medications, or, I don't know, antidepressants, or all sorts of things, really. Like, how is it we, we would go about it, really? That's, and I think that's, yeah. So it needs to be, the view we have of pain needs to change, and, and non, the best way to look at it is the way your brain looks at it, or perceives it. And that's, I find it amazing. Now that I know about that, it's impossible to go back to an objective way of looking at it. So it's impossible to go back to having solely an objective way of looking at it. And that's, that's the main thing. The tissue causing pain is interesting, but it just doesn't cut it one bit, really. For a, 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 more than a minority of people. And for a majority of people, it's so-so. And for a minority of people, it works very well. So we do it for just a minority or do we do it for the majority? That's the thing, really. Sounds sound like Jeremy Corbyn, mate. Yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah. For the many, not the few. That's it, for <coughs> the many, not the few. We hope to. Uh, because unlike Jeremy Corbyn, I want that, uh, I want people to be able to use pain as a tool and as, as uh, something that enlightens them on the way they actually perceive reality. And that's actually like, well, it's amazing. That's, that's why pain is there. We've always been told chronic pain is completely useless. And acute pain is really good because if you're broken, you can't really break it more. It's like, well, okay, so what, what is the evolutionary advantage for us to experience chronic pain? What would that serve us? So we, we are, are we an aberration of evolution? Because <laughs> all the traits that are useless tend to go, really. They tend to disappear. Maybe we're just not. Maybe we're we're maybe we're sinful, as many religious people would think. Mm -hmm. So, we're, or, or or maybe we're just we're just faulted, mm -hmm. and a, a lot of people think that we're faulted, especially with the stuff that's going on with our impact on the planet mm -hmm. and stuff. Sin faulted. Um, there's probably another one. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, maybe there is no maybe. Because mm -hmm. uh, faulted is an interesting way, because that's what exactly I'm saying. It's not us being faulted, it's our, uh, uh, it's what we do that is faulted. It's how we perceive things that is faulted. We are not faulted. Actually, with the view of persistent pain, the way I talk about it, is actually <laughs> not faulted at all. It's But actually very informative and it's actually broadening your perception of things and it integrates you into your ex the experience you're having of the pain into your uh, environment. So it integrates you very well and it actually, your body is actually telling you and directing you and narrowing for you the dialectic that you're actually struggling with. So that's pretty interesting. So there's no fault. I think we are perfect and it's really well put together. Okay. And sin, depending on what we talk about sin and what it means, if it's not about aim, missing the aim, 
Well, that's a bit the whole lot, really. I think if you miss the aim, well, you your direction from A to B is a bit well skewed, and therefore the competence and the tool you put in place gets completely irrelevant, and therefore, well, there's not much reward uh, at hand, really. So I think that's what sinning is on about, is to miss the target a bit, really. And, and that's uh, really to think about, really. And that's last week you t- you said, um, what was it you said? You said the message of people telling people to be happy and do what makes you happy is, oh, is yeah, yeah. and I quote, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, um, I cut that up. That. You, you're free to do whatever you want to be happy. And that's just, that's lunacy. But the, that's the, vile. the idea of that, right, is that, you're essentially whenever you do whatever you want to be happy that isn't isn't always misdirectioned but often it can be misdirection and if if you're not Mm -hmm. taking aim at something if you're not orientated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're just kind of doing whatever Mm -hmm. to make yourself happy in the Mm -hmm, short term mm -hmm. then you're not going to have that long-term like i guess emotional stability Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. Yeah. So the serotonin. No, I think the whole uh, happiness is a very strange concept because it means so many different things. So we talk about nominalization. We talked about a word that means anything and nothing. So that if the aim is to aim at something that means nothing and everything, it's a bit peculiar. So we're not too sure where B is. <laughs> in a way or B is so big that it can be everywhere it could be even at A so why go anywhere that's the whole thing almost because it could be now <laughs> in a way um, to do whatever you want and to be free is completely bollocks because you're limited by different neurochemical processes and your environment and <laughs> that's actually so helpful because otherwise Uh, where do you go from A to B? Mm. If, if you can do whatever you want, it becomes, it's impossible. You can't, you can't even, you can't even apprehend reality if it's like that, really. You can't even comprehend reality. You can't even, it's, it's like nonsense. It's madness a little bit. It's, yeah, I think it's madness. It's called madness in a way. What you're free to do whatever you want to be happy. Happy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not going to help an awful lot. Oh, Well, it's going to help a lot to get lost. That's the main thing, really. But it's not going to help to really find B and, and walk there with an assertive and, and directed and intelligible and intelligent fashion, basically. So whatever people do, really, that's the problem, really. We so it could be in some ways you're you're free whatever you're free to do whatever you want mm-hmm. to find meaning right mm, but you're not free and you can't do whatever you want oh yeah of course you're so, not limited and that's, and that's that's an insanely beautiful thing again the entrepreneur that I talk about quite a lot Guy Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. he always talks about happiness mm-hmm. but this, the way I followed him for a really long time and I think he's such a positive person mm-hmm. and I don't like I don't think he, he he's probably even mentioned that happy is maybe not the right word or goal or whatever, mm-hmm. but he always talks about happiness. And the classic example that he gets from people is 
you know, I'm mid-twenties, I'm really talented at this, I'm really talented at this, I'm really talented at this, and I'm interested in this, and I'm interested in it. I don't know which of those five things to, to go for. And every time he's like, just, just, pick, just pick one. Oh, yeah, okay. And and he's he's saying like, you can't do all five. If you think you can do all five, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you say, the edge of the bell curve. Mm-hmm. It's the very few that are able to do all five. But you, like even they generally start with one thing. Mm-hmm. And then if if they get good at that, transferable mm-hmm. skills, then go on to other things. Mm-hmm. You're, you, like pick your limitations. Like mm-hmm. when you're young, you have, I think, fewer limitations in lots of ways. And as you get older, mm-hmm. things in your life, often you end up putting things in your life to create more limitations mm-hmm. and use those for your advantage. Mm-hmm. They, they can be used for your advantage mm-hmm. m- massively. And you can work on one thing mm-hmm. and you can get good at it. You can get those systems firing of, you know, motivation, doing doing shit and then getting rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. And then you can, if you want, later on in life, go on to another thing, go on to another thing. Mm-hmm. And I, Yeah, I think the, that idea of limitations just keeps on mm-hmm. giving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect way of looking at it but it's a sin it's not to be too sinful so we have to really aim really accurately and we need to know where we are who we are we need to know who we are and where we are and that's a bit of a difficult thing and I'm in my mid-40s and I feel like it's only in the last 10 years I'm really grasping and grappling with all that really so maybe so I was in my mid-30s really when I really got the jig of it really when actually had I been in my mid-20s it would have been maybe quite good really and had I been in my in my teens that would have been even better I would have been far lost at that time really I've got no inclination of being 15 or 16 or 17 again ever because it was such a like There was no direction, really. It was just... Which is great to explore all those things, really. But I have actually, when you look at it back, I am very similar to the person I was when I was 16 or 17. The way I act is very different. So I have remained the same. Of course, I've I've had other experiences and things, really, which helped me to act a bit differently. But my quintessential self is very much the same, basically. I am the same than I was when I was more or less the same, basically. So it's it's quite interesting when you look back like that Mm. a bit, really. And no. Yeah, it's really the limitation, really. So we want, we want to have a, it's a heuristic way of thinking again, really. Uh, for, for your illness to just come from your body and, and nobody's caring and nobody's knowing what it is. Uh, well, isn't it a great way to lock your belief system? And then that's it, really. That's where is hope? There's no hope. So, You've just checkmated yourself, really. That's the problem, really. And that's, I think, a, bit, a lot of what's happening um, with people with uh, chronic fatigue, really, or ME, basically. 
I think they checkmate themselves really and they tend to be high really high uh, functioning people but they dither really on the top end of the functionality really and then they do an awful lot they are social they are doing a lot of stuff they are involved in so many things they've got so many fingers and so many pies and all of a sudden one thing capsizes and that's it it just snowballs really completely so how would you use the idea if you of, of limitation for someone with mm-hmm. CFS or chronic illness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like so they they do it they do a number of things they're quite mm-hmm. social they've got a, mm-hmm. maybe a side hustle and yeah. then they've got a job that so also, yeah. They are very high functioning as well. They are yeah. very conscientious. They're very, they go to work. They do their best. They have really got high standard of an high expectation of others and themselves. In a way, in their job, in their hobbies, in their friendships, in their, in their uh, relationship, all those kind of stuff, really. I think it's, they are really, they are trying to be high functioning people, really. Get, but get the most out of life. Get of, the most out of life. But I think the expectation gets a bit too high, really. And, and we need to remember the, um, that whole Freudian concept of self and ego a little bit, really, okay? And, and self, and I quite like it because I think it illustrates things quite well, really. Uh, the, the self is who you are. And ego is who you think you are. And that's where the difference between the two is where the stress come and lodge itself, basically, okay? So the more you raise expectations, the more likely you are to be away from who you are, in a way, okay? So the more, the more likely the ego gets higher and who you are stays where it is, okay? And the discrepancy between the two rises, which actually makes you more maybe stretched. That's a part of being stretched, but it starts to make you stressed. And then you need to have an injury and or physical injury. So you can't really go to work. For example, a bad back or something it would be really interesting to know what is the things that triggered people's uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, basically. What is it? Uh, oh, I had a virus. Okay, great. What, what, what did it mean for you to have a virus? Oh, I had to be at home for a long time and I didn't really get better from it. And, oh, so did you not go to work? Oh, no, and I could not go to work. Oh, and where did you go and play Babington? Oh, no, I could not play Babington. So, bang, no work, no friend, no Babington, no, (laughs) bam, 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 bam. The whole thing cascade really fast, basically. Somehow. And then their background level of stress is preventing them from dealing well with inflammation and their immune system because that's DHEA and cortisol type thing and that's it really and then it goes into a chronic state really so how would you how would you try to re if you were to talk to someone Mm -hmm. someone came to someone came to um, get Uh treated by you and Mm -hmm. you knew this this picture's just been painted Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And they were like, you know, always in pain, etc. Yeah. How would you try and use maybe the idea of limitation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to well, help them maybe see mm-hmm. something, look at it a bit differently, I guess? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is uh, why do they want to get better? That's the whole thing, really. So, th- so I can do all of my things again. So I can go back to work. I can mm-hmm, badminton. Mm-hmm. I can yeah, do yeah. my side hustle. I can mm-hmm. do uh, socializing. Mm-hmm. Yeah that would be really a great answer but it's maybe not the answer as well really that's a bit the problem so I think people sometimes want to prove to others that 
because that's the problem a bit there's a bit like a festering type way of thinking about the things there's a, vic a victim a victim part victimization part of it and it's um I didn't even know about it, but a lot of people suffering from chronic syndrome say that nobody cares and nobody knows how to make them better. And it comes from the whole population or, or, or group of people suffering from chronic syndrome, really. Chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS. No, it's difficult. It's unless they want to be. So that's a bit, that's another thing. It's not maybe about limitation, really. It's about expectation. And the fact that they should maybe lower the expectation quite a fair bit in order to not go back to being exactly the way they were before, because it's going to be a too big a gap between where they are now and where they were before. Um, you might want to really mention to them that they are it was really a good thing they would manage actually to come to the to the practice and the fact that they actually were able to be active enough to actually come because some of them are, are, aren't able to actually be seen by people because they are housebound so at least that is to put that in perspective again so in terms of expectation again I think the main the main thing is for you to really understand the direction that you need to take and the aim you need to take and the fact that uh, you need to really put all your tools at hand and what is it you were using to manage your stress and maybe if it was physical and you're not really physical you need to find maybe a more mental type way of doing so you need to try to um Obviously, the direction you were taking was not, the aim you were taking was not actually appropriate. Otherwise, you would not be in the situation you're in. Okay? So, obviously, the aim needs to be changed. And when the aim needs to be changed, the tools might need to be different. So, you need to upskill yourself. It's, it's quite a big, uh, it's quite a big, mm -hmm. uh, steep mm -hmm. uh, learning curve, really. But, um, it's really about managing stress. It's about really diminishing the expectation. So, I want to be back to where I was before. So, uh, no, you can't. Sorry, mate. You need to really lower the expectation quite drastically. And really, like, getting up every morning at 7 o'clock and um, getting dressed or having a shower and getting dressed and going for breakfast that somebody can cook for you to start with, it would be quite a good thing already. And I think that's quite a good achievement. So one bit by one bit, you go back to it, really. But um, maybe, in, I don't know, like you need to maybe not take a bath, but you need to take a shower because it's a bit faster and it's less laborious or something like that or whatever. So you need to really look at your skills and look at how you were actually going about to make your life a bit more simple at this stage really it's quite um, it's life changing basically you're 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 so debilitated by your your illness and your mental state and your physical state that it's quite tricky to actually change really so that's that's actually why i um kind of why I asked with the limitations thing because to me it means you you've got to accept that through you know through CFS or through this chronic illness that you, you've now got in order to I guess get, regain control over it mm -hmm. 
um, you've got to contend with the fact that you've got a whole new set of limitations mm-hmm. and those limitations before that are really were really 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 small like for example your your limitation on how much worse you are than your mate at badminton mm-hmm. was it wasn't ever big enough although it might have been on your mind but it was never big enough for you not to turn up to badminton mm-hmm. or maybe you did miss it once because you, you you got really badly beaten last week mm-hmm. But now the limitation on you playing badminton mm-hmm. is is massive, so much mm-hmm. so that you have to give up that. Mm-hmm. But you still want to socialise with those people, mm-hmm. so you need to figure out how to use, the, like you say, upskill, change skills, move mm-hmm. sideways, whatever. And if you still want to see one or two people that you play badminton with every week, mm-hmm. then figure out a way to go see them in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. And, then, and it's not to say that you can't go back to contend with mm-hmm. you know your competence and then that bit of limitation on the top of mm-hmm. y- your badminton skills mm-hmm. but it's to say at the moment you need to refigure out and I have the same thing at the moment with with running and exercise mm-hmm. I really really struggle to have something that's quite like a big hit between coming home from work and then starting some viral work mm-hmm. and like do something that's a big hit just to switch gears mm-hmm. and my my legs from rolling them out mm-hmm do feel a bit better but they're 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 like insanely Mm -hmm. tight Mm -hmm. and i want to go back to the gym Mm -hmm. i want to go back running Mm -hmm. i want to cycle but at the moment i have to i'm using breathing and some Mm -hmm. other stuff which is just isn't as easy Mm -hmm. to switch off with Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to use those things and then roll out and then do some things to try and change things up a little Mm -hmm. bit and thankfully with my exercise stuff it was all it was all within myself mm-hmm. and never I was never part of a group so mm-hmm. that that big element that sometimes trips people up mm-hmm. in running groups or cycling groups or whatever mm-hmm. I didn't have that thankfully mm-hmm. but it's it's a really weird way to but you were using running as a way to de-stress and therefore if you don't run you've got less you need to find another way to actually distress. So um, the belief you have of uh, maybe breathing not being as much uh, a way to actually distress and running is maybe misguided because actually you need to pay really uh, is focusing your attention on the whole breathing to start with and therefore you focus your attention on something else than work and all of a sudden the breathing is really enabling you to open your blinkers and daydream basically. So if you do it, if you do it five times, five breathing in and out, it's not enough really. But if you do it for a little longer, you gain to a bit of a headspace, like you would uh, on a cross trainer or you would uh, running on a, on a, on a curb basically. After a while, you, your legs go on their, it's, on their own really. I know how to do that though. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do that mm-hmm. rather but, than sit down and breathe because sit down and breathing gets. It's generally boring really, really quick and then it doesn't stop being <laughs> boring sometimes for the whole, you know, two and a half minutes that I do it for. But like there have been times that I've done it for like 10, 15 minutes and it mm-hmm. does feel great. But it's it's it takes a real long time to retrain your perception of how boring and the That's juice it. you get from the mm-hmm. squeeze mm-hmm. from breathing mm-hmm. than it does, for example, running mm-hmm. that I've done for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And although, you know... So, in, in lots of ways I want to work out and get big or whatever but mm-hmm. running is like immediately I know that within two or three minutes mm-hmm. push past that and then 40 minutes goes and then and I've got like half an hour of just feeling really great mm-hmm. whereas breathing for 40 minutes it's like mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'll ever get there who knows but mm-hmm. it's it, it's, a, it's really difficult mm-hmm. you do it uh, already 24-7 the breathing but here we'll... yeah 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 <laughs> but... so I mean really it's like 
It's just a perception thing. It's just a reframe that is needed. And you need to look at the whole thing about looking at what's positive, about what's good about doing it, what's good about not, not doing it, and what's not good about doing it, and what's not good about doing it. Say that again. I think so you repeated how, it. No, 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 no. How good it is to do it. Uh -huh. How good it is not to do it. Yeah. Okay. And how bad it is to do it. And our body is not to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay? So yeah. you need to really try to figure out all those things, really. And that's exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's just like how to rehearse the whole lot and put more, dopa more dopamine onto that, really. That's the whole thing, really. It's just a motivation thing, really. So at the moment, you're rehearsing how better it is to run compared to breathe. I'm actually not, but... No, 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 but... So that's the thing, really. How better it is to be bedridden and bedbound compared to mm. not being. Oh, well, obviously, it's, it's, it's completely stupid question. Well, it's not that stupid. It's not that stupid. Otherwise, you would not be bedridden. Because that's the whole lot, really. The, the aim, all of a sudden, you've lost your aim. That's the thing, really. So being bedridden is much better when you're completely aimless. That's the thing, really. You're so focused on what's happening in your body. You're so... That's, that's the thing, really. It's Sisyphus. The, the myth of Sisyphus. You tend to... The gods punished... Sisyphus from pushing a buller up the hill who would go down all the time. And he has to bring it back up. And as soon as it's at the top, it goes at the bottom. And you need to repeat that all the time. So you're on the bit of a loop, really. It's a loop. And it's a loop because he was centering his attention on himself. That's the main thing. So, so he was pushing it up the hill, but centering his attention on himself, not what he was doing. No, no, the reason it. why he had to push the buller and be punished was because he was too centered on himself. That's the main thing, okay? And uh, that's the whole thing, really. Uh, people with chronic pain syndrome or chronic fatigue syndrome tend to be focused on their pain, them. It's me against everybody else. Yeah, but it's taken their attention. Ah, but that's it, yeah. So, the whole uh, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, the whole pain or persistent pain is actually taking your focus. The heroin addict is completely taken his focus. The guy who smokes is, he's only one thing, he wants to smoke. Me, 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 my, my smoke, my smoke, my smoke. That's it, really. It's just you. So it's about you. It's not about the rest. It's, it doesn't help you to come out of yourself, really. It brings you in even more, really. It's difficult to come out of yourself and, and just like pluck yourself out and observe yourself, really. And, and be self-observing, really. It's very difficult, really. If you're completely drawn inside you, really. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not me pointing the figure. <laughs> How shit is it? You do it, really. No, no. You just happen to have done it, really. And you need to unplug it. But you need to be wanting to contend with it in a willing fool. And um, you want to be able to do it willingfully, in a way. Or you want to be able to embrace it yourself, really, and not to prove to somebody else or prove to you don't need to do that 
That's the thing, really. And sometimes it's a bit. That's so hard. I want uh, my, my wife sends me because because uh, uh, I'm whining too much about my back, so I want you to make me better. Well, you can go back home, mate, because it's never going to get better. And or you can give leave f- leave fifty quid on the table, and then you go back home because it's as, it's going to be as efficient for you to have come here and me doing done no things, and you come here, me do something, and you go back. Really, it's exactly the same. You're not doing it for the right reason. It doesn't matter. Um, a lot of hypnotherapists will not uh, help you to stop smoking if it's your wife who sends you. My wife wants me to stop smoking. Well, good luck then. Bye. Because in taking that step yourself, you're actually, you're doing, like, that's part of the work, right? Oh, but that's, they said, that's, it's yeah. for you. You have to do it yourself. You have to willfully doing, do, do it, really. Mm. Not by proxy really it doesn't work really because it's when you do that you can understand a little bit oh, but that's it that's it that's it and that's why those little notebooks and writing things down and making a bit of a plan mm-hmm. again that's like I need to do this more I say this every single time mm-hmm. that's like the rehearsal of like you were saying rehearsing yeah. what's what's good about doing it what's, what's good about not doing it what's bad about doing it what's bad about not doing it mm-hmm. rehearsing those four things about that's any it, scenario that's it that's it will slowly rejig your perspective mm-hmm. on it. Well, you need to especially rehearse how good it is to do it and how bad it is not to do it. You need to rehearse how good it is to do it and how bad it is to not do it. Compar- compare to actually rehearsing how good yeah, it is yeah. not to do it and how bad it is not to do it. Okay. And bad it is to do it, actually. Yeah. You have to do it, okay? Yeah. So there's, you need to separate the two. No, and, no, then, no. and then when you smoke, you rehearse how good it is to smoke, in a way, okay? So you need to be able to rehearse how good it is not to smoke. Hmm. And you need to be able to rehearse how bad it is to smoke. Not how good it is to smoke, or how bad it is not to smoke, okay? Otherwise, you never stop. Double negative yeah, yeah, yeah. type thing. Okay? My little brain can't cope with that. That's it. There's, there's four ways of looking at it. It's, it's and only two two are you need to you can only rehearse two at the time. Despite the fact that you know all the four. Or you know them better if you put a little list onto them and then you list them. And then all of a sudden you've got an idea about dopamine. Where is it you're gonna put your dopamine? So if you smoke, you're very good at smoking. And you're, you're putting all your dopamine on smoking. It's not super complicated, really. So you're rehearsing how good it is to smoke. Oh, yeah. I have first cigarette in the morning with coffee. Oh, cigarette with coffee. So good. Oh, my God. Oh, cigarette at midday after lunch. Oh, wow. Oh, cigarette at the pub with everybody. Oh, I like when oh, we give each other. Oh, and then I can come out of the house and be on my own. And I can have a fag outside. And oh, I do my break at work. So good. I love That's it. You rehearse how good it is to smoke. So therefore, you smoke. Otherwise, uh, not being, having been a smoker and having rehearsed how good it was to smoke, um, as soon as I rehearsed how good it was not to smoke, I became a non-smoker. That's it, really. That's, yeah, you might want to look at how bad it is to smoke as well. And that reinforces it. That put a bit more leverage to it, really. Okay. So if you're in pain, and you've been in pain for years, 
you're so good at being in pain. So your motivation is your aim, your dopamine is on being in pain. Everything resolve, revolve, oh yeah, no, no, uh, what's, what's positive about being in pain? Ah, well, you need to maybe figure that out and you need to get your little booklet and then put it and be a bit honest with yourself because I don't really care whether you lie to me or not, but if you lie to yourself, it doesn't, <laughs> you need to be honest, really. And what's good about me being in pain? Ah, oh, well, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't have to do the dishes. Mm, yeah, I can't really vacuum the house. Yeah, I don't have to do that. My husband does it. So I used to do, but oh, and I can't, I, I don't have to go and do the grocery shopping because it hurt my back. So it's Okado who does it. And then the guy comes in the house and then he puts all the stuff. Uh, I don't have to, and, and again, and you're going to see, there's like so many good things about not, about being in pain. And that's why you're still in pain. Mostly, partly, no doubt. That's, that's human nature, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a part of a part, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how human nature But that's one of the limitations. Because, because all, yeah, yeah. all they've done yeah. is they've, they've gone into a feedback loop that's negative mm-hmm. rather than... And thinking it's positive. Rather than yeah. going to a fee- feedback loop mm-hmm. that's positive. Uh-huh. Well, so, it depends what positive is, really. Well... But, Yes, that, 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 that's gives, it. Gives them more meaning, gives them less meaning. Uh, well, whatever, or they think it gives them more meaning. The way of the fakir is a place where people have uh, lost themselves, no doubt. I'm pretty sure Buddha was uh, uh, hurting himself and finding ways. She hides, do that as well. They, uh, at part of the year, they uh, throw metal bits onto their backs and flagellate themselves to hurt themselves. Like Catholics have done that with solaces. And then you put something in, on your leg and you tighten it to be in pain, really. Or you put in your shoes and you walk on it really to really find enlightenment or whatever really <laughs> whatever really pain can be a way for you to think that you can get enlightened really and it's not a new thing really it's a long long time lots of people have done it voluntarily and others do it a bit they think they do that it's they're on the receiving end when actually they are quite active in the process but it's not easy to be honest with yourself, really. Uh, suffering from a chronic condition myself, it's difficult when you it comes to, to it, really, because it's becoming part of who you are, really. And that's a bit the problem, really. And, oh, yeah, I've got it, and, and I don't want to get rid of it, because otherwise, what am I going to get? Well, I, I'm going to have something else. It really helps me to know when I'm stressed. Really, it's so good. It's, it's my barometer. It's really helping me to know when I'm stressed. Okay, great. So, obviously, not very good at being stressed. At, at not being, at not being stressed. Like, uh, well, no. And if you were putting things in place to not being stressed, you would not have the condition. Uh, shit. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's. I've never thought again. Not thought of it like that. Like everyone who has a chronic thing, including myself, including you probably, mm-hmm. and everyone who's ever spoken to me about chronic stuff, yeah. is always like, oh, I can always tell when I'm stressed because I get, I have a flare up. That's it. And it's like, how good it is to have it. <laughs> but that's, mo- it's, that's it's, a motivation, yeah. really. That's it. That's it. That's it's it. not like, yeah, I guess, I guess it is a that's motivation it. in a way, but it's not like, obviously they're positive about it, but they're not looking at it from a perspective of, I'm not 
obviously not very good at getting after my stress because mm-hmm. if your stress makes your flare up worse, yeah. even if it is in the end of your body on the that's it the furthest point away on your big toe that's away it, from that's your, it, that's it. your mind that's it then then surely there's at least something to be found there that's it maybe the contact we, you have with the ground and then you think you you need to be reminded to keep your feet on the ground a bit really and if it's on the right uh, part of your body it's maybe your left brain uh, and your rational mind and the rational part who's going a bit uh, in disarray really in a way really whatever you want to interpret it whatever rocks your boat however the mode uh, if you want to look at it from an objective fashion or um, maybe a personification way of looking at it really and the way you use it or whatever really who cares the main problem is you misuse your dopamine basically your attention right it's like it's like your attention is misplaced uh-huh. your attention on something mm-hmm. You, if you place your attention mm-hmm. on how good it is to smoke, mm-hmm. then you're you're motivated. Your dopamine is used then to smoke. Mm-hmm. You're motivated to smoke. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you if you rejig your attention mm-hmm. and you be careful where you place your attention, mm-hmm. that's that. Mm-hmm. That's Horus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Horus. Yeah, Horus. but Horus is paying attention and he's keeping an eye on his needs. That's the whole thing, really. So smoking, if it's something to get privacy, because you go outside at home, and oh, of course I don't sit, I don't smoke inside. Yeah, but yeah. Who, who's outside smoking with you? Oh, well, on my own. Okay. So you quite like to go outside to be on your own. Privacy is important. I have got three kids and two are foster, and there's my husband. So there's six of them inside, and I do everything for them. Okay, good. So that's good. So you can, you don't need the attention and you need a bit of privacy and being outside. And then what do you do? Well, you breathe. Again, really. Okay. So uh, you go to the pub and everybody is outside. We are part of a little group of the one who are ostracized from inside. We can't, we can't be inside. Oh, the bastard. We've been relegated outside. Was a group. Oh, have a, have a fag. Be part of my group. Oh, yeah, great. Oh, we're the cool ones outside. That thing. That's it. You belong to a group. Straight away, really. You're the ones who are outside, not the ones who are inside. And that's what you get rehearsed about because it's not, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it, really. It's the aim. The aim is to have some, um, uh, meaningful relationship with others or being part of a group or having some privacy. <laughs> it's awesome. But it's uh, not very easy to unplug the whole lot because we get biased about the thing and then it uh, becomes part of how we go about doing it. Well, how am I going to change that then? <laughs> yeah. Change. Or maybe you need a little bit of help. Maybe, maybe. maybe you need a little bit of help or or maybe your husband and your three kids and your two fostering kids need to do the freaking uh, dishes as well, really, or cook once uh, once in a while, really, in order for you not to have uh, all the whole burden on you, really. A little bit, bit of really. help. Exactly, <clears throat> really. Those tools that you were talking about, about how to redirection things and then gain a new set of tools. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those tools is, you know, your children, your your husband or whatever else. Come, doing, do, come, doing a bit of cooking. Communication. Doing, yeah. And then maybe one of those tools is, it's like I, I work with someone who's fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and she's uh, she's gone to the doctors. She's been advised to have turmeric and some other stuff. She's going to have some injections in, in her hand. And... 
I showed her obviously she's got really tight forearms I showed her that baked bean can yeah. just let it drop off and yeah. just do that make sure there's not too much yeah. you just and then she said yeah I'll definitely do that and I'm also thinking of joining a yoga class and maybe with my daughter because my daughter doesn't care that much and, you know it's good for you and whatever else and it's like there isn't there is I love this so much as an idea as we develop as we like move forward in the world to collect different things in your arsenal that you're not precious about necessarily like be wary of how how you could be indoctrinated within that community of something not not for any other reason then at some point that might be taken away from you and then something can happen mm-hmm. like that could be really bad for you mm-hmm. And so you have these tools like yoga and, you know, maybe cooking with your husband or, you know, cleaning with your, with your children. These are all tools to make your life a little, you know, a little easier maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe with the smoking thing, maybe going outside mm-hmm. for for one cigarette a day or mm-hmm. three cigarettes a mm-hmm. week to have a bit of privacy. Mm-hmm. As you said last week, like maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And again, we haven't talked uh, about the whole thing we ought to talk about all the time. It's about emotions, really. Because you're a little bit angry about at everybody as well as yourself that uh, every, you're the only one doing the cooking. And then you have to go outside and get some privacy, a bit of fresh air and a bit of time off in order to do that. And we, whilst you do that, you take a fag because it's helping you to breathe. And then you can get a bit of the stuff and be, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. They are good. It's all good. I'm good. I'm actually good. And then you go back inside and then Mary go round really. Okay. So remember the activating agent is pattern match with an emotion really. So whether you're grieving, you're sad. Um, I had written a bit of a list because I, I wasn't too aware of what how we were calling emotions and in terms of awe to be in awe of somebody to be afraid anxious attracted angry to have that sense of belonging a bit to be competitive of envious or guilty or inferior or intimate or jealous or loving or repulsed or sad or shy or superior or shamed or things like that really and or pr- 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 have that sense of pride or something like that, really, you know? It be, that's what it's on about, really, is the emotion that the activating agent relates to is that appetite. And then the thought, the thought is really the whole cognitive part or the behavioral part, really. That's you, the be, the be, smoking is a behavior. And it's really uh, helping you to deal with the emotions that you have pattern match with the activating agent, basically. Or so you think. So I started smoking when I wanted to become part of the group of cool kids when I was 15 or something like that, really. And instead of telling them to F off and that they, there was no way I was going to be a friend with them because they were smoking and there was no way I was going to smoke, I'm pretty sure they would have been like, oh, you're quite cool. You can be part of our group. I'm pretty sure, really. But I was like, no, I think I'll ask for a cigarette and I'll do a bit like everybody and I'll, I'll blend into the group a bit. And then, and then it worked. And then, then I saw that smoking was actually bringing me friends because that's our pattern match stuff really. And the whole 
you know, uh, maybe not being inside the group was to make him, was making me ashamed a bit or or inferior or I was in awe of the whole thing really and therefore I pattern match the emotion that I was having of uh, being inside after compared to being uh, outside and that's it really being douche up and it's something you keep forever until you motivate yourself to maybe not do it or and you figure out that actually you can get plenty of friends in many other ways than smoking and you don't have to belong to a group particularly because you belong to many groups or if you got the chance that's the thing really so it's all the whole lot really a bit taking a bit of distance and and feeling inferior might get a little bit less at some stage because you don't uh, or you're a bit less ashamed to be on your own or whatever really because you grow, go grow a few more gray hair and things like that you got a bit more experience really but it's a appet model that really is a key part there and that's really quite powerful really we should do a podcast about the whole like going through running through loads of scenarios of the iPad model because I really like the idea of like you know things like eczema and mm-hmm. and um, like these physical manifestations of our emotions based on patterns that mm-hmm. have been matched mm-hmm. and for a need to be met really yeah and often it's not so much a need but it's the emotion that uh, is pattern matched to different needs really so need to unplug that and the behavior becomes the same really and there's a bit of trauma in the background a bit because I think trauma is the best way to actually glue very strongly uh, the activating agent and the emotion the pattern matching is really binding the whole lot the more traumatic the experience is basically so there was a bit with persistent uh, pain chronic fatigue and uh, chronic condition the most likely uh, thing that there's a trauma somewhere which actually binds the two a bit and then you go on to a bit of a loop because the pattern matching is too strong basically and you can't really pluck yourself out of that and the cognitive part and the behavioral part gets a bit um, out of whack basically but that's I'm not too sure I'm just very new to the whole thing. I've just really I'm been an osteopath for only 20 years and I've been introduced to that expectation fulfillment theory of dream only for five years really. So it's I'm quite new into the whole lot really. I'm, I'm not quite finished even the training to be a human given practitioner already. So I've got another week. Uh, it should be f- done at some stage, but after you need to, a bit of experience and all the rest, but it becomes quite an interesting thing with addiction, with pain, which is my subject of interest, really. No, no addiction, but pain mm. type thing, really. And, well, I guess addiction can be quite painful as well. That's why I think we obviously walked in not really sure what to talk about and then said that we were going to just repeat ourselves which we definitely have but that's why I think it's quite a good practice to do even if we are literally just repeating ourselves all the time because it's like the the more you put things into word the more you Mm -hmm. uh, understand the topic Mm -hmm. and who knows in six months time we might be able to absolutely nail some of the stuff we're talking about in maybe 
less time than an hour. That's it. Not that we nailed anything in an hour, but that's it. And articulated quite well, really. Yeah. So the better we, the more knowledge we gr- grapple with, and the more we turn it in different ways, the more we are able to actually come up with something a bit uh, novel or a better understanding of it, and it can be integrated with other bit of our knowledge, and we can start to pattern match a little bit those things because there's a bit of pattern matching we think really. Uh, yeah, because it was one thing about learning a little bit. I think it's that you said last week where you have it. to drop your that's it, your critical mind. You have to drop your critical mind, and that's quite a difficult thing because um, not to uh, talk again about people with uh, ME, but I think they are quite critical in a way and they are pointing the finger at people not being able to find out what's wrong with them really and as if it was the responsibility of others to find out what was wrong with them in a way okay that's, that's again kind of how we've been taught like, that's it that's it that's it that's it like uh, the Cartesian, a Cartesian way of thinking is that you go to the doctor to be healed that's it, that's it, that's it. But um, remember, we are meant to be able with our reasoning to be able to, on our own, figure out uh, the reality. And we don't depend on others, especially people in power, to actually do it. That's really a bit of an enlightenment type way of thinking okay mm. we are as individual and with our reasoning able to figure out the whole thing for ourselves and we don't have to depend on others who've got status or who've got the extra knowledge on the subject basically because who who but the person suffering better position to know how it feels and where it's coming from Others can help them to actually figure that out, but it needs to be really quite open. It must not be too prescriptive in a way. And looking at mitochondrial activity in some of their white blood cells and the fact that they are really low and saying that there's, it proves that there is a, a cause of uh, the problem from their, coming from their body is very, is not really very true. Because it's, is it the fact that, was it there like that before they had the chronic fatigue syndrome? Ah, yeah, because normal people don't have it. So, so those people have it. It's like, um, well, maybe, well, who cares about comparing them to other people? You need to compare with themselves before. That's the thing, because maybe their uh, mitochondrial activity in those particular white blood cells was not actually up to scratch as well. And it was not 98% efficient and becoming 47% efficient. Maybe it was 75% efficient. And they are pretty special people who already have got a limitation. And that would be one body limitation, which would be quite interesting to contend with, really. But the fact that others have got 97% and they have only 47% as a group doesn't really help, basically. It's before and after for them, really. And we can't really see that, really. Like, I've got, I've had a car accident, I've got a bulge in my disc. Okay. Are we really sure that it's the accident who created the bulge? Or did you have a bulge before having the disc, having the accident? Well, it's unlikely. Is it really? Well, yeah. Yeah. So if you're 
85, yeah, it's possibly quite uh, unlikely because the uh, 85 year old discs don't really bulge that much because they're so desiccated, there's no water. But if you're 18 year old, the fact that you had a bulge and a paracentral bulge, which was asymptomatic, is quite, actually quite high, really. And all of a sudden, you jar the whole lot and, uh, well, yeah, you want compensation. You want, you're a bit upset. You've been shocked and uh, the whole lot and there's some inflammation setting up and a muscle tension and then bing, the whole thing goes out of hand, really. And the more out of hand it goes, the least you can go to work, and the least you earn money, and the more worried you are about not being able to make your mortgage, and uh, when you think about the bailiff uh, coming at your doorstep, uh, that's pretty pretty much of a problem, and that stresses you quite a lot, and then because you're stressed, da -da -da, wouldn't it be good? If it was just the one thing. That's a heuristic way of thinking. It's quite, and it's a bit, um, there's a bit of dramatization as well. You get a bit dramatic about the whole lot, really. And am I right in saying that with the example of a chair, mm -hmm. if, if the way we looked at pain was true, yeah. then we would only be able to sit on certain things that look very similar to a chair, right? Yeah. Whereas we're able to sit on ledges, balls, anything. But they look, we, quali we classify them in our brain as the same thing. It's yeah. something you can sit on. Mm. And yeah. anything you can put your bum on is actually, you're conscious of it because you have actually interacted with it and your body has actually prepared you to actually sit on the whole bloody thing. So our, our perspective is broad on, on that. But it's not when it comes to pain. It's like specific. Yeah. But, um, there's shoulder pain, there's neck pain, there's head pain, there's ear pain, there's hand pain, there's bud, uh, belly pain, there's back pain, there's uh, hip pain. There's But it's specific in the way that where we feel the pain is the, is, is the area that we need to deal with. Uh, the, the area we need to deal with maybe mechanically and try to find a way how come the area is actually still painful rather than what's causing the pain so one we need to maybe stop thinking about what the what's causing the pain but how come the pain is still there because that's not the same question and therefore that's not the same answer how come the mechanical load is still on the disc Or how come there was a disc problem in the first place? Because there was a mechanical load on it. Oh, yeah, but you had defect on your back. Well, yeah, but the defect on your back was actually facilitating the fact that there was a bulge and uh, actual uh, shearing of the whole lower lumbar spine uh, onto the whole thing is actually to do with some muscular imbalance and the way you use it and the fact that you're young and it's... Uh, okay, that's, yeah. How come it's not getting better? That's a different story. And that's what we need to look at. But what is it you use it for? That's the other thing as well. So you need to look at the expectation you have of what you should be able to do. Would the pain not be there in that part? And what is it you use that part for? Because that's what is going to bring, that's what should be brought to your consciousness. Because that's what you have to pay attention to. Pay attention to your back. And if you've had it for six months, two years, obviously there's something that you're not really seeing really. Because otherwise you, you would really. If it's asking you to pay attention to your back. Ah oh yeah, but it's my back is there. But I've been told it was that and then I've had the Maraskan and there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and I'm still in pain. Uh, well, uh, you're so blessed because there's actually nothing wrong with your back. 
but the way you use it is actually really buggered and the way you think you're gonna get what you were expecting to get is not actually happening and then there's the archetypal part which we haven't talked about today but She's even better because there's a myth and a mythological part and there's a, a scripture related part. There's a little, there's dragons, there's things that don't exist really in, in that really. Well, I guess the difference between what you think, what you think you can do with it and what you can really do with it is that's where the dragon is really because that doesn't exist really. Say that again. Well, the difference between what, what you, you th think you can do with it and what you can really do with it is where the dragon lies. That's where the thing doesn't exist. It's just a fragment of your. It's like a, an imaginary thing. So, what do you do in that situation? But you need to uh, diminish your ex uh, reset your expectation and maybe think you got more competence than you really have. <laughs> because <laughs> you think oh, I don't have any enough competence but actually you got plenty so you need to maybe get that done or you're a control freak and you always think you got uh, more of something you don't uh, you, you don't have much of okay or you got not much of something you got a lot of however it goes really and the di difference between the two doesn't exist it's just imaginary really the ego and the self that's where the dragon is and the dragon is what it's on about it's something that doesn't exist really but nonetheless we have to deal with things that don't exist because that's what it's on about really that's a weird isn't it what it's on about never gets old that's it <laughs> you have to deal with things that don't really exist as well as things that exist so there's a objective reality and there's the subjective reality there's a subjective matter and objective matter there's loads of really strange things happening you know we talked about dark energy and dark matter 96% of what the universe is made up we've got no freaking clue where it is hmm. that's a bit much really That's a bit. That's that's a few. That's a 96% limitation, really. That's quite an interesting thing, really. Oops. Oopsie. <laughs> anyway, we uh, and now I'm going to speak forever, but we speak about the same thing again and again. Yeah. Dra oh. Content with dragons. Become a dragon slayer. Is really good. Saint George and the dragon. And the Welsh have got a little dragon as well. So English and Welsh people are really... The French have got a cockerel, so it's all, it's all doomed for them. <laughs> That's real. That's it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, is it? Maybe. Or is the expectation we have of what the cockerel should be doing, really? But that's another story, really. No, um, cool. I'm tired. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Half past uh, eight. It's really yeah. good. Uh, stop. Well done uh, for listening to me blabbing on uh, the same a, thing. A, a bit differently. Di bit differently. Today. Yeah, it was better than better than before. <laughs> I think. <laughs>